0: Welcome to SPR, Scholastic Public Radio, a series of podcasts specifically designed to build your product knowledge and enhance your selling strategies. Today, we are discussing scholastic literacy. For the last 18 months, we've been learning what differentiates us from our competitors and what resonates with our customers. We're gonna talk about the top five things we should be sharing with every customer about scholastic literacy. I'm Rebecca Danilchak, Director of Learning Design and Professional Learning And joining me today is Lisa Thomas, VP of Adoptions and Customization. Welcome, Lisa. Lisa, I've been hearing you talk about scholastic literacy for a year and a half, and there's so much in the program that it's hard to know where to start when you're trying to convey the power of this solution, let alone the features, advantages, and benefits. So you've been in countless conversations across the country with potential partners, and sometimes you have two hours and sometimes you have just 15 minutes. So where do you begin?
1: Thanks, Rebecca.
0: Um, So I usually start with the
1: why of Scholastic Literacy. I always wanna talk about our philosophy at Scholastic and how we're built on 100 years of partnership with educators that we put students at the center of everything. And we also know, right, that Scholastic is a literacy company, and we believe in the power of text and that classrooms should be filled with books and resources that provide endless opportunities for students to read, write, discuss, and reflect. I think all of us could think of a Scholastic title that provided us some of the same opportunities and that's really near and dear to our hearts, too.
0: Well, that's true, and it makes perfect sense to start with the why. I think sometimes we get bogged down in the details, and we forget about the big picture.
1: Yeah, and I think what we really want to do, right, is that when we talk about the details of the program, it's really to help start to think about how do we help them make that connection, right? Remind our customers that they do have that trust in Scholastic as a company, and that we've always been there to help ensure that students are independent thinkers, readers, and writers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, keeping that top of mind, let's talk about what the most important things are that you Um, that when we put those together, really tell the story of scholastic literacy. So first things first, my guess is uh, you talk about the power of authentic, diverse text, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we tell this story better than anyone else that's on the market right now. And what I like to do is is to obviously reach, you know, our customers at that emotional level. And so one of the things that I always do to talk about the importance of authentic text, and I know many of you have heard me do this, is to talk about my son Jack and the impact of authentic text on him as a reader and writer. And so I always share the example that because I know how much he loves baseball, that you know, he had to choose a biography. Um, when he was a third grader, and he had to read the biography, and then he had to write a speech, and he had to dress as that particular character and, and be in that wax museum. And so for me, it was easy for him to choose that authentic text, because that's what he's exposed to so often, and how he relates and connects with those characters. And so I think we all have a story like that that we can share or a particular way to engage a conversation about the value of diverse and authentic text and what it means for them as a readers. And I've seen many, many of our AEs do that throughout the years. Um, but we also have to make sure we do this and we do it consistently, right? We wanna make sure that it's critical for people to understand that scholastic literacy is essential for their classrooms. And I think the authentic text helps to make that important part of that connection for them.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and mm-hmm. and I do want to dig into this a little bit further with you because um, the connection that you talk about related to authentic text is so powerful, and when we think about what instruction with authentic text looks like, can you talk a little bit about the points you make with customers related to scholastic literacy? Yeah,
1: Rebecca, and it really goes beyond just talking about authentic text, right, which is valuable, And provides what we also want to help them understand though that it provides access to a wide range of levels genres and text types but most importantly this really feeds into what we know about best practices when it comes to comprehensive literacy right because we use our authentic text for interactive read-alouds for shared reading for the phonics and writing instruction and it also will help to inform teachers on how they select books for the small group instruction right we want them not only choosing authentic text, but what what really helps those students? What are their specific needs and interests? And then how do you anchor that around those standards-based instruction as well as personalized learning? And so I think it's going to be important, right, that we ask questions about the texts that are currently being used and how do they feel that text engages students in meaningful and authentic literacy learning?
0: Yeah, absolutely. A critical question. Um, And You know, I think when people look at the text in scholastic literacy, they see immediately why it is so critical to good instruction. Um, But I'm not sure everyone always thinks about the impact of that, and and we have to bring it to their attention. Um, So that leads us right into the second thing you always want people to know (laughs) about scholastic literacy. So let's talk a little bit more about how instruction is delivered inside of a scholastic literacy classroom.
1: Yeah, so what we really make as our point number two is our blended approach to instruction. So as we've already talked about earlier in the podcast is that scholastic literacy keeps students at the center of all learning. And we know that students that are most engaged can make those connections more easily when instruction is integrated and blended. So let me kind of explain what I mean by that. So let's take our reading and writing um, lessons, for example. If students only experience reading and writing instruction separately, it will not be easy for them to see great books through the eyes of a writer. And we want them obviously to use that as models for their own writing, or they won't approach writing through the eyes of a reader. So you have to consider the audience. So I think it's important for us to remember, right, that reading and writing are connected um, and that they should be taught in that particular way. And then when we also talk about blended learning, we know that a lot of companies and products talk about delivering blended solutions, but we truly do this through our digital resources to provide that personalized learning experience. And so when you think about it, right, when we think about our digital resources, those are generating the data that's valuable to teachers in that design and delivering of instruction in both whole and small group sections. So what we're trying to do is go back, right, to that all-important piece of scaffolding students to independence using that gradual release model. And so, You know, I think what's really interesting is who would have thought, right, when we launched Scholastic Literacy, that this blended approach to learning would be so important in the age of of COVID. And so we see that students and teachers are working from home with a wide range of access to technology and to each other. And going forward, we know that all schools will be looking for resources that adapt most easily to this circumstance. And so as a result, right, we've been working really hard at providing tips Um, to our district users around Scholastic Literacy. Our editorial team has recently revised the first three weeks. We've updated our summative assessments and NSGRA to be able to be used in a virtual environment. And we also talk with our districts about the use of the teacher hub resources. So we're very well poised in the age of a blended environment, not only from the student perspective, but also the support that we give the teacher as well.
0: Yeah, you know, we really, really are um, well positioned and this we know this is going to come up with all schools and district leaders as they are thinking about purchasing new resources, they're going to have to be flexible, um, not Mm -hmm. just this year, but probably going forward. So. um, So we have to ask that question, you know, what is your plan for ensuring all students continue to have access to the best possible literacy instruction? especially if we find ourselves back in this kind of interrupted school year situation again in the future. Um, So this also means receiving instruction in all of the critical areas of literacy. Um, So tell us about the third thing that you always share with potential partners in schools and districts.
1: Yeah, Rebecca, so I think the other key approach around this, and I also think this ties into what we just mentioned as well, is around our comprehensive approach to literacy, with a spiraling curriculum. And I think it's really important for folks to think about the fact that uh, during, the, during this time of, of a blended approach is that a lot of folks are putting things together, and so it may not be as cohesive. And so one of the things that we really can stress the importance around scholastic literacy is that we've built a program that's built on a spiraling curriculum, that it's aligned to the standards, right? It's a clear scope and sequence. And I think we're so accustomed here at Scholastic talking about comprehensive literacy and the benefits of this approach, but I think more than ever with conversations about the science of reading dominating the education headlines, it's important that we clearly define what this entails and why it's a best practice. So for us, right, as Scholastic, I couldn't consider us ambassadors of Scholastic, right? We have to be clear that comprehensive literacy is ensuring a strong foundation in reading that includes phonemic awareness phonics and word study, but that we're also about building those reading skills and strategies around fluency and comprehension, and that we're also um, providing that proficiency in writing through an integrated instructional approach. You know, a comprehensive approach to literacy instruction builds independence through that gradual release model of instruction and also builds background knowledge and vocabulary through the use of the spiraling curriculum. But this can't happen without meaningful and sustained professional learning and that, and that they understand how all the pieces work together to get those results. So when I'm talking with districts, I try to highlight our spiraling curriculum because for many of them, they've been creating their own curriculums, right? And they didn't think about, oh, how do I spiral from grade level to grade level or year to year? And they're now seeing the impact of that. And so I think it's important to ask those questions about is there a lack of continuity and can we bring that back to the planning process and also help ensure that they're not just covering standards, right? But we are teaching to mastery. We always want to ask about their existing curriculum supports and all aspects of comprehensive literacy and how it builds through the grade level, but from grade level to grade level as well. I know that was a lot, but I think it's a really a really important chunk to really think about and to highlight about scholastic literacy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad you you brought um, up the science of reading and how scholastic literacy and comprehensive literacy in general helps to ensure teachers are able to deliver instruction um, that students need. And so that that really brings us um, to point number four. Um, and does it involve, by any chance, responsive <laughs> instruction and the use of data to drive and differentiate instruction for personalized learning?
1: It certainly does. And I think you picked up on that a little bit earlier, right? That our data story is really strong, and so one of the things that, um, you know, we've always talked about is our assessment timeline um, that we now have, and it shows the balance of both that formative and summative assessment, and how we also have our personalized digital tools, right, for students to use during independent learning, and so the data that's generated from those tools now flows into the new teacher digital dashboard alongside the next step guided reading assessment data that's entered by the teacher. But what's great about having it all in one place is that the dashboard has the capability of grouping students for small group, identifying skill needs for individual students and groups, and most importantly, I think, linking teachers to the resources such as the Level Bookroom Accelerator and the Teacher Hub.
0: Yeah, Lisa, I feel like our assessment story has just gotten stronger over the last year, and I know there's been a lot of thinking around how we position ourselves in the market So what do you say to customers when they're asking about how we compare to what other companies are offering? So I think first and foremost, right, we
1: have to own our story and we have to be proud of it. And what I mean by that is that we, we're not just taking a single snapshot of a child, right? We're looking at the whole child um, to assess them and to be consistent with our approach to literacy. And I always say, Right. Don't you want your assessment to match the way your reading instruction is taking place? And so I think we have to be asking questions like, how are you measuring all aspects of literacy in the classroom and ensuring that each student is progressing appropriately? And so I wanted to take just a minute to give you something to think about, especially given the time that we're in, is that I often ask folks now to think about, you know, if you go in for your well check or your physical, whatever you might copy you know, call it. But, you know, you your doctor doesn't just look at one measurement, right? They get the entire picture of what's going on. And so I think that's important for us to think about. And one of the things that I wanted us to highlight in our conversation is that when you look at our assessment opportunities, we yes, we have summative assessments for each unit, but our graphic organizers, right, are identifying those critical gaps of learning. The next step guided reading assessment is, is really developing not only what is the student's instructional reading level, but where are they with comprehension and word development and phonics um, and reading interests? We also have our phonics um, offline assessment, as well as the one that's built into First. And then you have a various resources within Literacy Pro, right? You have SRM, and you have your reading readiness test, and then you have your um, think mores that are going to give you that deep comprehension information. And so I think what we have to start doing is think about, especially when kids get back to school, is to begin to not to have a deficit mindset of, oh my gosh, what all do these kids not have from being out of school so, for so long? But what are their strengths and how do I build them and make them an even stronger reader and writer? And I think that's the story we have to begin to tell around our assessment and what we offer.
0: I think that's such an excellent point, Lisa. And I know, you know, several of the things that you just men- mentioned, roll up into the new teacher dashboard. And I know everyone's really excited about the new teacher dashboard and what that means for strengthening responsive instructional practice. So as with everything in scholastic literacy, it's about keeping the student at the center of everything that's happening, which I think is a great, great point and in, in how you're thinking about um, talking about assessment as we go into this new school year. Um, So with that in mind, there's one more point on your list and it really gets to the goal of scholastic literacy. So tell us about number five.
1: Yeah, so number five is the one that I think we, again, we don't highlight as much around the standards aligned instruction in scholastic literacy, but I think it's important for us to be able to talk about that it was built very intentionally, right? That it provides that common language and the conceptual understanding of the standards language. And this is when we really talk about the work that Dr. Danielle Dickey has done with us and the work that he did prior, right, to coming to Scholastic. And I know it's not always easy to communicate it, but I think it's important that we all practice having this conversation. So oftentimes I try to put it back in, in teacher language or educator language and say, you know, when I taught fifth grade, I always wondered why students couldn't write a summary. And I knew a lot of this work had taken place in fourth grade, but what I couldn't figure out is what, where was the disconnect? And what finally dawned on me, right, is that we weren't using the same language. We also have to keep in mind that between grade bands like K2, 3, 5, 6, 8, there are also shifts in the standards and what the expectations call for. So in Scholastic Literacy, we talk about the spiraling of the curriculum from grade to grade so that students and teachers see the same language use the same language and it's reinforced from grade to grade. It's also about that calibration of the of the language. And I love that terminology that we're all using the same language. And so in the professional learning for scholastic literacy, teachers can gain an understanding of the value of the graphic organizer and how it supports the students and helps them to become familiar with the language used on assessments. So they're truly able to understand their point. And I think we have to ask our customers again, How do they know their students are prepared to demonstrate mastery of standards? And, you know, and then we have to be able to convey that the way we just talked
0: about it a moment ago. Yeah. And I think approaching it with the educator language that you, you talked about is, is key. Um, And that you're also right with practice, we can all message the strength of scholastic literacy. And, It is so important because if you think about what most districts want, it is exactly that. They appreciate authentic text and data and tools to implement comprehensive literacy and an integrated instructional approach um, and blended learning. But at the end of the day, they want their students to be independent thinkers, readers, and writers who can pass the end of grade assessment. Yeah, that's
1: what it's all about. Right. That's Mm -hmm. that's what they're looking for. And I don't like to lead right with that with that point. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and the other thing, it's not just one of these things that we've mentioned. And I think if we only highlight one or two of these, then we don't tell the whole scholastic story. And so, I mean, I know there are lots of other valuable components to the program. And, you know, which ones those are to highlight based on what's most valuable to your customer. But I really hope these top five things that we've shared in our conversation today around the country will really help facilitate those conversations in a much deeper way moving forward.
0: I think they will. I really do. Thank you so much, Lisa. You have provided such helpful information um, that will definitely help to guide these scholastic literacy conversations with our school and district partners and help us to position scholastic literacy in an even more targeted, concise, and easy-to-digest way. So now the question is, what exactly do we do with this information in order to create a dialogue with potential customers?
1: So I would encourage every account executive to think about reaching out to both new, new customers you haven't acquired and current customers, and really talk with them about these five points. Um, Use the Scholastic Literacy placemat as a guide because you can show all the parts and pieces. Um, Share how it was built. Um, that it's in a way to address the pain points that you're uncovering in your conversations with those district leaders. And you must start with that high level overview, right? Don't get into the weeds or the details, because then it'll just be too much for that particular person. (laughs) Um, There's so much to know about the program about scholastic literacy. And we want people to really understand the philosophy behind it before we get into all of the, you know, minutiae necessarily. So That would be my advice in getting started and finding those new customers. And as we mentioned at the top of the call, I think given the current situation in the world that you'll have a lot of customers who are going to be looking for a solution that is systemic, that is cohesive, built on a spiraling curriculum, has a blended approach. I mean, all the things that we talked about
0: today. That's great advice. Thank you, Lisa. And we look forward to exploring more of Scholastic Literacy on future podcasts. But for now, thank you, Account Executives, for tuning in to today's episode.